Dear Old State is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Penn State is headed to the Cotton Bowl to face Memphis if you are planning to make the trip to Dallas to see the Nittany Lions in action against the Tigers in a New Year's Six Bowl. Game time does have tickets available for the Cotton Bowl. You can go onto the app, see exactly where your seats are, see the view from where your seats are, and uh, get the best available tickets. And if you're not planning to go to the Cotton Bowl, Penn State winter sports are also on there. If you want basketball tickets, hockey tickets, check out game time for good deals on last-minute tickets especially. So the GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome back to Dear Old State, the Athletics Penn State podcast. It is our post-bowl selection edition of Dear Old State. Penn State is heading to the Cotton Bowl to take on Memphis on December 28th. I am Athletic College Football Editor Matt Brown, joined by the Athletics Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. Audrey, are you ready for Dallas in December? Matt, the trip's booked. Um, I am ready. I'll be heading down there most likely, I think, uh, Christmas Day that night. Uh, yeah, I... Which reminds me, I need to go online and cancel my Rose Bowl hotel reservation. Uh, that will not be happening. And I know that there's a portion of the fan base that was certainly disappointed that it's not sunny Southern California. But Matt, the important thing here is not that I won't be getting a lot of sun for the bowl trip. It's that it's a New Year's Six game for Penn State. And yes. had you told anyone back in August that Penn State would be playing in a New Year's Six game, they would have gladly taken it. They can tell you whatever they want now. They would have taken it. I said I thought they'd be eight and four, nine and three. I said eight and four on the record. Uh, they got a shot in eleventh win against Memphis, December twenty eighth in Jerry's World, AT and T Stadium. So you get an awesome venue. Uh, so I think the fan base needs to uh, warm up to it. Perhaps I am mad. I'm starting to warm up to the idea. Well, so here's what happened this weekend. Penn State entered the week at number 10. Wisconsin was number 8. And because of, I think, really the lackluster, a couple of reasons why Penn State fell behind Florida last week were, number one, a lackluster performance against Rutgers. Number two, Florida's best win against Auburn got a boost when Auburn beat Alabama, which certainly factored in as well with how the committee operates. So that kind of seemed to take Penn State out of the Orange Bowl picture with Florida jumping ahead. And because LSU beat Georgia, Georgia went to the Sugar Bowl instead of the playoff. And that slid Florida into the Orange Bowl and knocked Penn State out of that. So then it was Penn State versus Wisconsin for the Rose Bowl. And I know there are certainly arguments to be made for the Nittany Lions going to the Rose Bowl over Wisconsin. But the committee has tended not to punish teams too harshly for losing extra conference championship games. Uh, You figure if Penn State would have played an extra game against Ohio State, they probably would have lost and be 10-3, and just like Wisconsin. So... Even though Wisconsin lost, it stayed put, and that got the Rose Bowl bid to the bad for the Badgers. And Matt, I understand the frustration from the fans about this. Um, I get it. People people wanted to go to the Rose Bowl. Heck, I have no rooting interest in the game, but I like Southern California in the winter, and the Rose Bowl is a tremendous game. Like I understand that, but when you look at it, and I had a chance to hop on Rob Mullen's conference call on Sunday, the chairman of the playoff committee. 
And the distinguishing factor was the fact that the way Wisconsin played Ohio State Saturday night in the Big Ten title game, the fact that they had a 14 to nothing lead at the half, that impressed the committee enough. And I understand Penn State says, oh, well, Penn State made it a game. As I wrote after the Penn State game, right that night when they played Ohio State, that was a game where Penn State needed every bounce, every takeaway to go their way to get within 11. Wisconsin yeah. outplayed them for only, I know it was only a half, I get that, but they did outplay them for a half. Jonathan Taylor had a, had a great game, uh, and that was enough Rob, per Rob Mullins to impact the committee. And here's the other part, Matt. This is the part where I think it really matters. Um, direct quote from Rob Mullins. In the end, there, meaning Wisconsin's three wins against college football playoff top 25 teams really impressed the committee. You compare that resume to Penn State's resume. It's it's difficult because people want to say, oh, well, they lost by 13 and they got blown out before and Penn State only lost by 11. They also beat Minnesota, which beat Penn State. Yes. So you're looking at... That's the biggest thing. Yes, right like that's what hurt Penn State. And I get it. You could make a... You certainly could make a, a case for Penn State in the Rose Bowl and people have, but that's what you got to look at. And you know what? The Big Ten has their divisions. They're committed to the divisions. And, yeah, that that hurt Penn State in terms of the fact that you didn't get to play Illinois and your crossover game was with Minnesota and you lost it. That was your shot to get that third win against a ranked opponent, and you didn't do it. Yeah, they didn't lose out on the Rose Bowl because Wisconsin played Ohio State tough necessarily. Wisconsin passed Penn State last mm-hmm. week because it blew out Minnesota, which beat Penn State. And, and Penn State kind of has, has itself to blame for the way it played against Minnesota. And I, I think that's the main factor here. And then, you know, what happened Saturday is why Wisconsin didn't fall and why yes. it stayed above Penn State. It's Again, the committee has tended not to punish. It's just the way it's operated in, in six years. It tends to not punish teams for, you know, at least not getting a run off the field. In 2014, Wisconsin did fall after losing to Ohio State, but that's because it was 59 to nothing. This game was a competitive game, and they lost, and it was like, okay, are you really going to punish a team for losing a 13th game mm-hmm. uh, close to a top-two team? And in the committee's eyes, no. So I, I think it – and I don't disagree. I, I'm an AP voter in my ballot this week. I had Wisconsin um, – ninth and Penn State 10th so I, I have Penn State right in line with the committee I have Wisconsin one spot lower so I I think there's certainly arguments both ways you know you can definitely say well Wisconsin lost to Illinois yeah that's mm-hmm. bad oh yeah <laughs> Illinois is better than it's been but it also just lost to Northwestern in the season finale it looked terrible so you can make that case but the committee tends to value good wins over punishing bad losses we saw that with Georgia this year Georgia has Three really high quality wins, lost to four and eight South Carolina. Georgia's still number five because it has those wins against Auburn, Florida, and Notre Dame. Wisconsin has same like Penn State beat Iowa and Michigan, although they beat Michigan worse, but they also beat Minnesota. And I think that's that's kind of a differentiating factor here. And Matt, I mean, had Penn State had Pitt finished ranked, that would have helped Penn State. Pitt, Pitt did not help Penn yeah, State. Pitt, Pitt, if, you know, if, if for whatever reason we've got some Panther fa- fans that somehow found their way into dear old state, um, they will probably be celebrating the fact that while they were deemed a quality non-conference win for Penn State all season, Pitt didn't do the Nittany Lions any favors. Um, that's maybe where if you look down the road, maybe that's where Virginia Tech has an impact for Penn State next year. Maybe that's where Auburn on the Good. future schedule has an impact. And I think, Matt, it was a combination of things when you look at, like the things we just discussed, when you looked at Wisconsin getting it 
ahead of Penn State. And the point that I made in today's piece up on The Athletic is I am curious what would have happened had Penn State crushed Rutgers by 50 or so. Had they had their starters, had they played them, would that have had an impact on the rankings in terms of style points? I don't know. I don't think it would have had much of an impact, but it is something that maybe, I have thought maybe about. Maybe with Florida. I yeah, mean, yeah, that, you're right. Yeah, maybe that's Florida. That's the question. We, and, but I don't know. I, I still think Auburn's win against Alabama influenced that significantly as well mm-hmm. just because it improved the quality of Florida's resume and that Auburn was moving up and didn't lose to Alabama. But funny thing is, the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, they're both New Year's Six Bowls. Memphis is a better opponent than Virginia. So, yeah. uh, I, you know, but, I, man. sometimes the, the group of five team doesn't have like the allure of somebody else, but Memphis is a good team that's 12-1, and one, just beat Cincinnati twice in a row to win the American. They beat Ole Miss earlier this year. And they're an explosive offense, so it's it actually is a pretty good matchup here. Here's the thing, though, Matt. In terms of name powers and you know, kind of the sexy matchups that people like for bowl season, had Penn State slipped, right? So had Utah <laughs> right. gotten the Cotton Bowl bid, I mean, we could have because I don't, I didn't think that they would have sent them back to the Citrus Bowl two years in a row. I just no. didn't see that happen. You would have had Penn State Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Like, that would have been really, really appealing. That would have been an enticing matchup as well. But, again, if you're Penn State, you get a New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, I don't know because we haven't gotten terms to James Franklin's new contract yet. I don't know how much of a bonus he's getting for this game, but under his previous contract, it would have been a $300,000 bonus for a New Year's Six versus $200,000 for a non-New Year's Six game. Um, I reassure you the players will see $0.00 and zero cents of that, but... Uh, You know, there are contractual bonuses. It's great for the Big Ten. And it's great for Penn State because you can say, hey, look, three of the last four years, you're in a New Year's Six game. That's a big deal. Well, you did just mention it, so let's quickly, I feel like, touch on. Before we circle back to some more bull talk, James Franklin did get agreed to a contract extension on Friday approved by the Board of Trustees. We don't actually know what the contract is. Uh, It has not been revealed yet, but it's a six-year deal. Uh, as expected, we we knew that was heavily hinted at in the post-game Rutgers press conference, mm-hmm. and Sandy Barber and Penn State got it done with James Franklin. Audrey, your takeaways, without knowing anything about the actual contract. <laughs> yeah, my takeaways are, where the heck are the details? Um, <laughs> you, you know, it, it is unusual when a team announces a, a contract extension and then doesn't make the details readily available. That's pretty unusual, but... They will be available. They will. Not, we don't yes, know Yes, eventually they will be available. Um, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a week from now. Um, but James Franklin was asked about it. He was on a teleconference Sunday night after the bowl announcement. So it's pr- primarily, you know, the calls about the bowl game. But of course, it's like, we need to ask you about your contract because we haven't talked to you since then. Uh, and Franklin said that he thinks they're waiting for the final contract to be signed because he's been out recruiting, which makes sense. Uh, so apparently they're waiting on a signature, which is interesting, but it makes sense, Matt. You you look at this, you know, what he said after the Rutgers game was that he hoped it would be done quickly, that all the speculation would end, um, whether or not the idea of him toying with Florida state was solely for leverage, uh, probably that would be my guess. But again, like the guys earned it. You know, I don't know what the figure is because, again, we don't have the details, but you have to assume he's going to be one of the highest paid coaches in college football. And per his old base salary, he was ranked, I believe, 11th uh, off that old salary. So where is he now? 
And the thing that I've been saying all along in the writing is these terms are really important. What are the things that James Franklin wants from Penn State? What are the things that he thinks he needs for this program to continue to rise, to continue to be successful? Because that is what that contract is about. As much as it's about stability, it's also about all these other things. Maybe it's, you know, facility upgrades. Maybe it's more money for assistant coaches, which he's done, by the way. He has gotten more money for the assistant coaches. And people always ask, well, oh, is this contract going to guarantee more money? Or how much money are Penn State's assistants making? Those are not figures that we are privy to because Penn State does not make that information public. So I can't tell you how much money Brent Pry is making based off of incentives. You can see a base salary if they're one of the highest uh, grossing employees in the state of Pennsylvania. The state has to release that information. But I can't tell you what the incentives are for these assistant coaches because that information has not been made public and never will be at Penn State. So, you know, these assistants very well could be compensated competitively with the rest of college football. We don't know. Like, that's always been the thing. Um, So it's always some interesting gray area there. But, yeah, I mean, it gives you stability in terms of James Franklin and Sandy Barber also working together. Because if you remember, she signed the contract extension last winter. Uh, So you know what your powers that be are going to be for a long time here. However, Matt, as we both know, it's college football and things change all the time. We could be revisiting this next year. We could be revisiting this two years from now. I mean, that is just, as we talked about Thursday on the show, that's the nature of college football. Your sweatpants are on for the day, but you're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. Enter DoorDash, restaurant quality food with a living room dress code. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code STATE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code STATE. Don't forget, that's promo code STATE for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Well, speaking of changes and coaches and assistant coaches, we should also point out, now we are Mm -hmm. recording this Monday morning, a lot changes quickly in the coaching carousel Uh, on Sunday, or a few days ago, I should say, um, ESPN's Adam Rittenberg reported that Penn State offensive coordinator Ricky Ronnie is in the mix for the Old Dominion head coaching job. So we will see how that search plays out, but his name has been mentioned there. Well, Matt, Uh, and that comes right after last (laughs) Thursday where I talked about assistant coaches and their career goals and the fact that Ricky Ronnie said he never wants to be a head coach. Then this surfaced like a day or two later. Um, It's interesting in that Ronnie has said all along he doesn't have aspirations of being a head coach. However, maybe that changes when you look at potentially an Old Dominion. Like It's not like we're talking about being a head coach at a Penn State or Wisconsin or Oregon or, you know what I mean? Like Maybe that changes things for him. Uh, I am very curious to see what comes of this. But again, it's coaching carousel season. You're going to hear a lot of names thrown out there for a lot of these jobs. But I found it interesting because Ronnie has said on the record several times that head coach was not a career goal for him. Um, But uh, things change, Matt. As I said Thursday, you never know what the coach's ambitions are, when when the ideas change, or is it a matter of maybe it's kind of like, which is still what I think happened last year with Phil Galliano, Penn State's special teams coordinator, ends up getting a job in the NFL. 
it very much could have been a case where it's like, hey, like you're not, we'd like you to go look for something else. That could be. Now with Ronnie, I still don't think that's the case. That's not the case. But, He's looking for a head coaching right, job here. Like, but that's, like there's, that's different. Yes, there's <laughs> different degrees to it. And Penn State's thing all along has been they won't lose assistant coaches to lateral moves. This, should it happen, again, we don't know, would certainly not be a lateral move. That's you're going from a coordinator to a head coach. That's a different set of circumstances. Well, speaking of head coaching changes, another good transition here. Oh, boy, you're full uh, of good transitions today. <laughs> we can circle it back here to the Cotton Bowl, and we'll obviously Oof. talk more about the Cotton Bowl down the road. Plenty of time before the game on December 28th. But Memphis may or may not have its head coach for that game. Mike Norvell, the very successful coach of the Tigers, got the Florida State job this weekend. It was basically a, an open secret leading up into the American Athletic Conference Championship game. And then Memphis beat Cincinnati on Saturday to secure its Cotton Bowl bid. It's ranked number 17, the top top group of five conference champion, which sends it to a major bowl, which this year just had to be the Cotton Bowl because of all the tie-ins. And then it was basically reported that it was a done deal Saturday night. And on Sunday, uh, Norvell was confirmed as head coach of Florida State before the Cotton Bowl was revealed. Now, there's been we're still not 100% sure as of Monday whether he's actually going to coach the game. Um, so we don't know Ryan Silverfield, the offensive line coach and deputy head coach is the interim coach. So at minimum, he'll be the coach. We'll see, but it creates kind of an interesting dynamic for the cotton bowl in that, uh, Memphis is 12 and one. It's, you know, arguably it's greatest season ever going to a major bowl game and it's head coach as happens with these jobs is out the door, has to wrap up a recruiting class at Florida state Welcome and all of December. that. So Creates an interesting situation for the Tigers. Yeah, I reached out to our Florida State writer, Tashawn Reed at The Athletic, and asked him on Sunday, I said, hey, what's you know what was said about this in the introductory news conference on Sunday? Is he going to coach the game? Is he not? Uh, Norvell said that he's going to need a couple days to figure it out. Um, I know people can kind of look back and say, oh, well, Scott Frost, and, and draw some comparisons to that. Um, but I don't know, Matt, how you do that when you've got to lay the groundwork at a new program, you've got to, again, the, the early signing period starts here on the 18th. Yeah, that's next yes. Wednesday, uh, the 18th. So you've got so many things to take care of at Florida State. Um, plus, the Seminoles are actually in a bowl game, which has kind of been lost in all of this, too. So you have that layer to it. Um, I mean, again, but this is a situation that Penn State found itself in the last time it was in Texas for the Ticket City Bowl. Uh, which, boy, that feels like forever ago when Tom Bradley was. <laughs> was the interim head coach. And, you know, but you just, you never know how players are going to react to that when, you know, you come back to campus and it's like, hey, team meeting in the morning, which is what, you know, the, the players are, and coaches had said happened at Memphis. The next morning, it's like, hey, I'm leaving. Congratulations. Like, I still want to coach you, but I'm out. I mean, that's the ruthless nature of this business. So how does the team respond to that? Do they rally around it more? Um, I Because it's such a big deal for them, because it is the Cotton Bowl, I don't think you really have to worry about that as much. You know, if it was a non-New Year's Six game, you might be thinking, oh boy, you know, what what's happening here? Um, it also was really funny, Matt. This doesn't have a whole lot to do with anything other than on the teleconference Sunday night, James Franklin... Uh, kept referring to him as Satterfield, Coach Satterfield. <laughs> and at first I was like, well, what is he talking about? And then I was like, oh, no, he's got the wrong name. But he was at least consistent with it. Um, so, yeah, James Franklin might not have been ready. Yes, he might not have been ready for the interim head coach conference call. 
Well, and the biggest tie in this game here is that Joe Lurig, Penn State's special teams mm-hmm. coordinator, was a highly successful coordinator at Memphis, and then he left for Texas Tech briefly before getting the job at Penn State. So there is a connection here. Penn State has a uh, assistant coach who is very, very, very familiar with the Memphis roster. And James Franklin plans to tap into that familiarity, too. He mentioned that. Uh, Sunday night, and he said, while they really haven't started preparing for Memphis yet at all, because at this point they had just learned, you know, who they were going to be playing a few hours prior. Um, But he did say that Lorig's going to be able to give Penn State some perspective in terms of breaking down their personnel and schemes. Uh, So that'll be one thing to keep an eye on. And Franklin said, you know, he's watched some of Memphis's games on TV. And the fact that, you know, when he coached at Vanderbilt, obviously he was in the same state. And he said that uh, Vanderbilt had played a bowl game on Memphis's campus. So, like, there's some familiarity in that regard. But this isn't one of those games where it's going to be like, oh, there's this big history between the two programs and because they've never met before, uh, things like that. So, yeah, it's a interesting game for Joe Lorig, to say the least. DraftKings Sportsbook is officially available in Pennsylvania. As the trusted leader in daily fantasy, DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, you'll definitely want to take advantage of the convenience to bet wherever, whenever, with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is so easy to use. You can deposit, place your bets, and withdraw in a matter of seconds. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. And if you're already betting in Pennsylvania, bet with another book and take advantage of DraftKings' great sign-up offer. Get a free bet just for signing up. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code TOSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet just for signing up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code TOSS to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Restrictions apply. And, you know, Penn State is a seven-point favorite against Memphis. And, again, this is this is a good matchup. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's – yeah, it's not a major conference team. But do not take that lightly because, as we've seen already in these bowl games, uh, it shouldn't be taken lightly. You know, in 2014, Boise State was the group of five representative. They beat Arizona in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, 2015, Houston was the group of five representative. They were number 18 from the same conference as Memphis and beat number nine, Florida State. Similar type of matchup in terms of rankings, Houston beat Florida State in 2015. Uh, if you go back 2016, Western Michigan in the Cotton Bowl against Wisconsin. Wisconsin won that game. It was 24 to 16. It was a close game. Um, in 2017, UCF went to the went to the New Year's Six Bowl. They beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. And and then last year it was UCF. They beat L- they lost to LSU, but it was a close game, forty to thirty two. So the top group of five teams have acquitted themselves very, 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 very well in these games. <laughs> and you know, there's wins in there, there's a couple close losses. So, you know, this is a good Memphis team, just like you know, we've seen good Boise State, good UCF, good Houston, good Western Michigan teams in these games. So, you know, it's it's interesting because you know that you know that team is going to be up for the game, yes. even though they're, you know, losing their coach. It's it's a still a huge deal for it's a good big deal for anybody to go to New Year's Six Bowl. It's especially a big deal for a school like Memphis that you know, ten years ago this program was a, a, a train wreck and now it's you know been consistently good and now it takes the ne- next step. They've been in UCF shadow the last couple of years and they finally get over the hump after losing to UCF two years in a row. They they win the American, get to the Cotton Bowl. It's a big deal. 
And so it's going to be a good matchup against the team that has some explosiveness on offense. You know, yeah. Brady White, the quarterback, 33 touchdowns. Uh, running back Kenneth Gainwell has been fantastic this year. He's in the top five nationally in yards from scrimmage. He's only a freshman. Uh, they have some good receivers. DeMonte Coxie has over 1,000 yards. So Page, this is a good Memphis team. Paging Penn State secondary, paging Penn State yeah. secondary. <laughs> yeah, and the thing that James Franklin kept saying on the conference call Sunday was that they're a very, very athletic team and that they're a confident team. You know, that that stuff matters, and we'll get into it more too, Matt, in the lead-up to the bowl game. but you have to wonder in terms of Penn State health-wise. I mean, they really limped to the end of the season against Rutgers yeah. with guys banged up. How are those guys recovering? Because Penn State did practice Sunday, so they're building their bowl schedule now, you know, getting back into that routine. They had a team meeting Thursday. They had practice Sunday. And then they're going to have to lay out their schedule here because I would anticipate the team leaving on December 22nd or the 23rd. So, I mean, they'll get a lot of time at the bowl site, of course, to really zero in on preparation. But just the way it lines up with Penn State's semester and with, with the game being very close to Christmas, like there's not much of a break here in terms of the fact that you're going, you know, like winter graduation is the 21st. So anybody graduating this winter on the team, graduation is the 21st. They might be leaving for a bowl game the 22nd or 23rd. Like, it's just a really quick turnaround. Um, But you get the shot to play in an NFL stadium, which, of course, you're playing in, like, probably, arguably, pains me to say it, the most beautiful one in the NFL in terms of over-fabricated and over-hyped stadiums. I'm not ranking this ahead of Lambeau Field, Matt. Don't even try to think I am. But you're playing in this state-of-the-art, modern, incredibly beautiful, in its own way, facility in Arlington. It's an interesting place. I've been there twice. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's, so what were your impressions? The video screen is as big as you think it is. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I was there for the NFL draft when Saquon Barkley got drafted. Uh, James Franklin was also there that night. And it was just insane. Now, Matt, I don't think we'll have this issue with the Cotton Bowl but if you recall, that is where the Packers won the Super Bowl back Super okay. Bowl 45. <laughs> and that's when they the had the things. issues with the bleachers and the fire department. And they had like Jerry Jones basically had sold too many tickets. So I don't think there's going to be. I don't, I don't think, think that'll be, be an issue. Here. I don't think that'll be a problem here, Matt. But you, you can never be too prepared. That's the motto for bowl season. Well, this is Penn State's fourth trip to the Cotton Bowl, but it's been a long, long time. They first played in the uh, undefeated 1947 season. They tied that Cotton Bowl, finished number four in the AP poll. And then they played in the 1971 and 1974 seasons. Penn State is 2-0-1 in the Cotton Bowl. So I've not actually lost there. It's not been, you know, a necessarily common destination, but they have been there before. It's just been a long, long time. It's been 45 years since Penn State's last Cotton Bowl trip. But as we mentioned, this is three New Year's Six Bowls in in four years their third different one they played at the rose bowl they played in the fiesta bowl and now to the cotton bowl so it's not the rose bowl for in terms of the you know, i don't think the, the opponent it could have been a 25th anniversary special against oregon in the rose bowl Jawan johnson uh, on the other side Jawan johnson but still a good matchup still a new year six bowl third and four years still a chance to win 11 games for the third time in four years so in some ways these are the good times here you know the program oh, yeah. is well, well, well ahead of where it's supposed to be when we think back to the sanctions being levied against the program, and they're going to end the decade with a third near six bowl in four years. So, Matt, what uh, are the playoffs? Really excited about what are the playoff sites next year? Because like they rotate, so would it be the Rose playoff sites will go back to the uh, Rose and the. <laughs> rose and the sugar next year. Okay, I so I was going to say, so maybe Penn State fans can get their Rose Bowl trip next year. 
there you go. Well, you know? yeah, it would require getting to the playoff, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's. Uh, and here's what I want to know, Matt. This is this is my big question. Um, usually, this time of year, we start to see what the players get as bowl gifts. Uh, I looked online last night, and the Cotton Bowl <laughs> did not disclose that information last year. So I don't know if like they're getting tires or something, or probably not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's always a good a good reward for the players too, because as much as this is a shot for an eleventh win, which you know, you can't underestimate the importance of that for Penn State, the important impact it has on the recruiting trail, the ability to build momentum for next season, to develop all these younger players and bowl prep, all those kinds of things. It's also a reward for a really long season and the fact that these guys will get time at the bowl site to hang out. Um, usually they bump the curfew, like they get tighter as the week goes on. Uh, so that's, you know, Dallas will be fun. I've had good times in Dallas before, Matt. Um, don't worry about me in Dallas. I'll be fine. I'm sure they <laughs> were all concerned we about well. me. Yeah. Well, we will uh, talk plenty more about the bowl in the weeks to come. And of course, in the lead up to the game, Audrey will be down in Texas for the game and for the lead up to it. Tight turnaround after Christmas, but it is the 28th, uh, right? It's actually the lead into the playoff games this year. So, uh, interesting bowl lineup for Penn State, and it's just a, a different bowl schedule this year with the semifinals being on the 28th. So that's why the New Year's Six is kind of spread out this year. Yeah, I can't you know, wait to write through the, the semifinal games, Matt. That'll be great. <laughs> I'll be sitting here watching the semifinals, waiting for your copy to come back. But Matt, <laughs> I can tease our Thursday episode on Dear Old State uh, could be a little interesting. I'm going to hit the road this week to work on some recruiting stories ahead of the early signing period. Um, so I might have some special guests, maybe potentially on Thursday, um, might be able to share some of what I'm doing on these interviews. And that of course, Thursday is our episode. That's always for subscribers at the athletic. And if you're not an athletic subscriber, we highly recommend you join us. One subscription gets you access to everything on our entire network. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, Matt. I might be driving in circles. In fact, I will be driving in circles this week. Uh, but it should be fun because, as we know, December has become this really busy thing between the bowl game, the early signing period, the transfer portal, coaching extensions. Contract extensions. Yeah, like now's <laughs> you know now's the time where there's a lot going on, and we look forward to continue bringing you dear old state uh, twice a week. If you're a subscriber to the Athletic on Monday and Thursday, if you're not, then you only get our Monday free show. And I'll let them in in a little secret, Matt. I think I'm much well more polished on Thursdays than I am on Mondays. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. There's the pitch. And don't <laughs> well, forget also, to rate, I review, sh- subscribe. And I should say we are recording this Monday morning. This is before uh, four-star recruit Theo Johnson is going to announce his college decision. Oh, that's right. That's today. That'll be interesting. I forgot <laughs> so, about that. Yeah. As we're I don't recording know this, we do, do not know his decision yet. But as we already hinted, Thursday we're going to get into more recruiting into the early signing period. So whatever that decision may be, we will cover that more on Thursday and Audrey, of course, will be on the road and, and talking to some other recruits. So uh, we will talk plenty of recruiting as the early signing period approaches. Very, very quickly it is approaching. We'll say that I'll be in parts unknown, Matt. We'll give him some mystery <laughs> till Thursday. Some mystery, some suspense. Yes. So thank you to, thank you for listening to Dear Old State, our Monday edition. Penn State and Memphis in the Cotton Bowl will have plenty of coverage leading up to that. Plenty of coverage leading up to early signing day. And, of course, plenty of coverage on The Athletic with Audrey's writing. So check that out. And uh, thank you to li- thank you for listening to Dear Old State. We will be back on Thursday on the Athletic app.